Ladies camera action, welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we are two dudes who drink and talk about movies. Now, this month, we are talking about the most unnecessary of movies, the unnecessary sequels and spinoffs of the the Hollyweird. Uh, this week, we are talking about two unnecessary Jim Carrey products or uh, films unnecessary sequels to those that do not feature the man at all um one of which actually does have a like a legit sequel that he is in but we won't be talking about dumb and dumber 2 we're gonna be talking about dumb and dumberer when harry met lloyd uh and then we're and also we're gonna talk about son of the mask which jesus christ (laughs) i'm not sure i've ever seen a worse movie i'm not sure It was bad. It was fucking bad. But uh, before we get into that, why don't we talk about what we're drinking? So, Mike, what do you got? All right. So, as my story from last week says, I'm going to be drinking Death of the Fox again uh, because I got the three Crowler pack, but I didn't get two of the Crowlers I wanted, which is upsetting. (laughs) Right, right. Um, So, this week, I have Sunshine, which is their whip beer and one of their flagship beers. Um, If you go on the website, it's the first beer that they have listed. Um, 5.2% alcohol, and it's a pretty standard wet beer that's not doing anything that fancy. Was uh, did you go back to the brewery again? What did you go back to the brewery again? <gasps> no, when I went last week, I just got the three crowler pack. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know if you went back to see if that girl who was having the worst day of her life last week uh, was still there. I mean, I'm having the worst day of my life today, so you know. Are we all? Oh, uh, all right. So yours good. Yep. Yep. Solid whip beer again. Nothing. Nothing too fancy going on there. Oh, yeah. All right. And then today, I actually got out and I got new beer. So it's it's alcoholic some, this time. It is alcoholic. Yes, there is alcohol <laughs> in this beer. It is not the Athletics. It's from Iron Hill Brewery, which is around the corner from me. Uh, it is their Oktoberfest Lager, which was released apparently on Thursday. Um, it's very good. It's a 6.0 Oktoberfest uh, beer. Um, the funny thing is, though, on the back, it's got the little description where it's like, Prost to Oktoberfest, Munich's timeless tradition. This lager highlights delicately toasted malts that provide rich amber hues and a crisp, smooth body of dried fruit, light caramel, and a fresh baked bread. Don your later hose and raise your stein and celebrate tradition. But then, like, there's this little picture above it that's people holding, like, mugs and pretzels. And then there are these two that are holding, like, sausages that just look like they're holding dicks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, that's weird. But uh, but the beer tastes good. Beer does not taste like that's, um uh, When I was at the wedding today, not the reason I was having the worst day of my life. That would be my sports teams. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, this is the time when we get to... Uh, this is when I get to witness the Chargers and Phillies both lose in heartbreaking fashion on the same yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, today was not. I was, I was at that Phillies game. Courtesy to Mike, thank you again for the tickets, sending me my wife. But it was, uh, yeah, it was no good. But uh, yeah. But no, at the wedding I was drinking Sam Adams Oktoberfest the whole time because that was the like cousin the from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Those commercials cracked me up. You know, I think Sam Adams is like the lesser of most like of the i guess mainstream like craft beers of sorts kind of grown on me i was never a huge they have three that i like i like their oktoberfest their porch rocker is elite i love sam adams porch rocker sure and then i like their summer ale (laughs) yeah i think i I think the one i've had the most is probably the oktoberfest one or the fall or whatever but that was pretty good yeah but one of those days where i'm gonna be yawning and these movies aren't gonna help that yeah well, these movies, second, it's like, like, like sometimes they come into this podcast all excited to talk these movies i'm just like let's why do we pick these let's get in get out you know let's let's devote a respectful amount of time like, so that people listening feel like they listen to something it's like something <laughs> like i was excited to talk about twilight because like they're there's a lot of things to talk about. These movies, I'm like, they're just they're just bad. 
Yeah, it's just fucking bad. But speaking of bad, why don't we start with the absolute worst of the two, and probably the worst that we've talked about in quite some time. Um, again, this is one where I would watch Twilight a thousand times before even touching this fucker again. And it's uh, Son of the Mask from 2005, directed by some terrorist. (laughs) wasn't sure this movie actually existed. I had to confirm with Ross that it did, because I was fairly sure that my brother drugged my drink, and this was just a bad trip. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I was denied it, but I was like, there's no way this movie actually existed. I had to be hallucinating that movie because of you, Dan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's unfortunately I was watching it sober and had the same hallucinations. And uh, yeah, well, the thing is, it's directed by this guy, Lawrence Guterman, and he also did Ants and Cats and Dogs. So, all right, like right off the bat, we're not starting off on the greatest foot. Like, Ants is all right, I guess. I mean, it's okay. It's it's not bug. It's no Bugs Life, but it's just it's fine. It's for a movie about ants. That's the Woody Allen one too, I think. So it's like even worse. But, um, but then this one, obviously it's a direct sequel to 1994's Jim Carrey movie, the mask. Um, and now we're going to be talking about two of Jim Carrey's 1994 properties, dumb and dumber and the mask. The third one that he had in 1994 was Ace Ventura. So this man, so we could have done the Ace Ventura, like the child Ace Ventura movie too. Jesus Christ. I don't know what would have been worse. I mean, honestly, I don't. But even but we like, could have hit the trifecta this week. We could have. Yeah, we could have. Even even like Ace Ventura when nature calls is like it's unnecessary, but it's still better. It's not great, but it's still better it's, than it's fine. And it's it's all because of Jim Carrey. And Jim, and because this movie, this Son of the Mask was so bad that last night when I was done watching it, I was like, you know what? I don't have to be up tomorrow. It's a Sunday. I'm just, it's like 1030. I'm just going to put on the original mask because it's on HBO Max. I'm sorry, Max. And so I put it on and almost immediately was like, see this, this is talent right here. Like this man is the rising star. And he he's a rubber man. Like Jim Carrey is famously known as being able to just do whatever he wants with his body and face. He can just become people. He can make faces and gestures, all the things that most boom, normal human beings can't do. What? The boom chicka boom. Exactly. Like that Cuban Pete sequence is so fucking good. And even then, you're like, when Cam- a 22 year old Cameron Diaz comes scorching her way into that movie and just lighting everything on fire with her hotness you're still kind of like you know what stanley epkis probably could now could land that you know because he's jim carrey then fast forward 11 years to son of the mask where we have jamie kennedy who is a few years removed from the scream franchise at this point He's full on in, I think, like the Malibu's most wanted era of his career. Um, So this dude is very much not somebody you want to watch in a movie. <laughs> you know, he's, he's already got those things against him. His like best G- credit is as the movie nerd in screen. <laughs> as Randy. He's, Randy's yeah. his best character by far. And... Scream 2 was in 1997, so that was eight years before this. Presumably six when he first got the like the call about this, when Jim Carrey was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. But the thing with this is, I'm pulling up Jamie Kennedy here, and we're looking at, okay, here we go. We're looking at everything after Scream 3, which he does appear in because he appears via videotape. Yeah, he does the uh, the rules of a trilogy killer. The trilogy, which he, for some reason, thought to record before his untimely demise after giving the uh, the rules of a sequel. But, so then we're talking, now this that was 2000. So let's just say that this is the new era of Jamie Kennedy. We're starting with a movie called Bait, whatever that is. Some movie called The Specials, don't know what that is. Road to Flin Flon, don't know what that is. Slacker Cats is a five-minute short. Okay, Dr. Doolittle 2, he does some animal voices. He is Chaka's production assistant in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So he's Chris Rock's assistant in that, which is basically him just being a straight man to Chris Rock. Yeah. 
Then there's something called Strange Frequency, which was a TV show. Max Keeble's Big Move, some kid's movie. Hey, hey, do not disrespect Max Keeble's Big Move. (laughs) Holy shit, you know what that is? I do know what that is. Oh my god. So it, I was the plays, target audience when Max Keeble's. I was going to say you were four when it came out, and he plays evil ice cream man. Yep, he is an ice cream man that bullies kids. Jesus Christ! Okay, I was completely unaware that that was a thing. That was apparently, um, apparently it was a hit with the four-year-old community. <laughs> I love that movie as a kid. Honestly, no clue what it is. Oh God! There, there's. There's an evil vice principal in it that's trying to bulldoze a petting zoo so that he can build a new football stadium for his middle school. (laughs) You got me now. So now I'm looking at the cast of this fucking movie. Uh, Josh from Drake and Josh is in it. Max Keeble. Oh, you mean uh, Oppenheimer's Josh? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking at Max Keeble. Okay, Max Keeble is the Home Alone 3 kid, right? Yeah, he is. Alex. Yeah, he's the Home Alone 3 kid, which is Alex D. Lenz. Okay, Larry Miller is Principal Elliot Jindrake. Evil Ice Cream Man, Jamie Kennedy. Uh, I feel like I recognize Xena Gray from something. She's, oh, um, uh, one of the guys. Did you watch Shameless? I've watched like the first few seasons of it, and then I got tired um, of like, the redneck show. Oh, God, the half-brother. He is, uh, he's the bully in it. I'm pulling, I'm scrolling. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The dude from uh fucking he's from Twilight. Oh yeah, he is in Twilight. Yeah, he was one of the Russian. <laughs> we do vampires. not care what you did, Carlisle. Right, he's one of the Russian vampires. Yeah, <laughs> and then okay, so then we got Josh uh, Oppenheimer's Josh, uh, Robert Carradine, uh, Amy Hill, who is Ms., apparently Mrs. Rangoon. Um, and then we got Amber Valletta, the. Oldest brother from Malcolm in the Middle, Justin Burfield. Uh, and then it looks like we have, you know, just a whole bunch of other rando actors. But oh, the bet they oh, Mr. Bully. Belding, fucking Dennis Haskins is in it. Jesus, <laughs> the bully is terrified. There's like a cartoon character named McDougal's, and he's a Scottish frog, and the bully's terrified of him, which is <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I don't even. I, have, I, I, have, am I not selling you on this movie, Ross? I mean, you're not. You're definitely not. But this is more of a like, how can this be? Kind of like strange attractor, you know? It's like I, I have it on VHS. Sure, you do. It's like <laughs> I don't ever want to see it, but I feel like I'm going to end up seeing it at some point. Oh, at uh, some point, then, I'll make you watch it. Yeah, there you go. So then there's Pretty When You Cry, whatever that is. Bug, whatever that is. The Mob, which is apparently some TV show that he did a voice for. Night Night Visions. I'm not even out of 2002, by the way. He's doing a lot of crap. Saul Good. And then, okay, here we go. 2003, Malibu's Most Wanted. Uh, he then did two episodes of King of the Hill, one episode of Crank Yankers. He was creepy guy in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. And then he did Son of the Mask. And... Everything after that is kind of like, okay, this Jamie Kennedy's career has been over now. We have officially put the nail in the coffin with this son of the mask. But this movie, and I texted it to Mike, if you haven't seen this movie and you need a visual idea of what it looks like without actually watching the movie... Watch Soundgarden's video for Black Hole Sun, and that is roughly the world that these people live in. <laughs> or you could also just give a toddler, like if you're FaceTiming someone, give a toddler the phone. Let them hold it where they want to hold it, and that's how close up this wide-angle lens is on people's faces. Scary, man. It's like, what are we going for here? Like, are, what? I'm on edge. I will give you that. <laughs> Watching this movie, I'm like, I I can't say I've ever had a bad trip, but I imagine this movie is what it's like to an extent, even more so than Cool World. Yeah. Um, cool World is more coherent and 
clearly thought out than anything involved. With There's the like a mid transition where they're like they show the baby and then they like zoom in on the baby's high and then it's Bob Hoskins in a beard. <laughs> Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins living in a baby's eye. Bob Hoskins as Odin, by the way. Odin living inside this baby's eye. Now, I don't know why Alan Cumming is like exclusively in movies that are oddly trippy yet targeted toward children. I'm t- looking at you, Spy Kids, but that's a far better movie than this. <laughs> absolutely it fucking absolutely is and i that movie was not good <laughs> at least hey. in my opinion mike mike hey. worships it <laughs> <laughs> no i worship spy kids 3d it's oh the worst of the worst but i mean but alan cumming it's like the weird thing is alan cumming i was like okay at least alan cumming is in this movie because he's for some reason and i don't know why in hollywood alan cumming was never like the big like supporting comedic actor the dude is hilarious and he's always a really good but he gives i like alan effort. coming like he is he plays loki by the way for people who haven't seen it so if you've seen the original mask then you know the the mask itself is loki's it's from the norse god loki not tom hiddleston but the others you know uh apparently alan coming in this one. but it's in this one, it's kind of like at the end of the first mask when Stanley throws the into the water, apparently at Edge City, it flowed down the river and ended up in, where are we this time? It's like Flint City or something like that? It's in Flint, Michigan. Yeah, it, it, it really probably is in Flint, Michigan. The fucking water there makes you see everything like this. Yeah, you're definitely in Flint, Michigan for this movie. But, so that is the loose connection to this they don't mention stanley Epkins. they don't mention anybody else this is a the mask has found a new owner situation and and then like the story progresses as the entity in the mask has a child because he fucks while wearing the mask yeah yeah and uh what's her name uh i can't the the actress's name is one of those weird trailer howard that's a you may if you people may know her if you've ever been homesick or you had to take care of your uh, your grandparents at one point, and you turned on USA. You probably watched the show Monk. She was on that quite some for quite a while. Uh, I remember her for being uh, breaking into Hollywood in Two Guys a Girl in a Pizza Place, which starred Ryan Reynolds in a TV show. Isn't she also the cheating ex-wife of uh, and Me Myself and Irene? Yeah, Me Myself and Irene. <laughs> yep, she's the one that gets with uh, Tony Curtis, not Tony Curtis. That would be great if it was Tony Curtis. But, um, oh, shit. Tony, it's not Tony. Is it Tony Little? Tony Cox. Tony Cox, that's what it is. And he is a little person. That's what it was. But, yeah. But, like, she's fine. And But this is the level of movie that she should be in. And same thing for Jamie Kennedy. But when I was reading about this movie was there was originally supposed to be a legit sequel to The Mask starring Jim Carrey. And and then it got to the point where Jim Carrey was like getting to almost to be the twenty million dollar man that he was, like the twenty million dollars movie. They're going to give him ten million dollars to be in the sequel, and he was like, you know what? I did Ace Ventura two. Uh, I didn't feel like it grew me as an actor or whatever, so I'm not doing sequels anymore. So they were like, oh, all right, then we'll just scrap everything. Well, then someone was like, you know what can make money? the mask (laughs) so let's come up with some other sort of property about that and then they went to jamie kennedy and even jamie kennedy was like look i am i am the mask for roughly 30 seconds in this movie it's it's like one scene one extremely long scene in the beginning that music scene lasted longer than the entire hobbit trilogy world war ii and the cretaceous period (laughs) Yeah, it was it was on it was like Vietnam. It just never ended, you know. And when you when it did, you were very angry about it. But then it comes. Then the mask comes back as Jamie in Jamie Kennedy form at the end of the movie. So I'd say all in all, this the in this hour and twenty four minute movie, we get about six minutes of like the human mask, 
You get child and dog mask. I was going to say, what we get a whole lot more of is dog mask. And in the first movie, it's a brief joke that oh that uh milo puts on the mask barks at one of the henchmen in the final fight and then i think pees on him too and then the mask gets peeled off his face and it goes back on the jim carrey now in you this, know what though, would make a movie hat mask the, dude, those devious little shits are gonna like you put a mask on a cat oh that thing is fucking up an entire city yeah, they're already trickster gods. They're gonna fuck you up anyway. <laughs> so Just like ask the them... Egyptians. Yeah, you give them superpowers, they're gonna completely destroy your civilization. You know, and odd <laughs> fact. So, it, one of the oldest breeds of cat is the Egyptian Mao, and Mao is just the word for cat in Egyptian, to my knowledge. And it's like that. that's just. Uh, I'm like, I imagine they came across an Egyptian came across the cat, and he's like, "What are you?" And he just went, "Mao." And he's like, all right. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Good for me. <laughs> Good for you. But um, but yeah, so we get so much dog mask, and it's it's to the point where there's the dog is the mask for quite some time, and it's dog versus baby because that plays a role in the very end of this. And the thing was, apparently there was supposed to be more mask stuff. But and there's like a two hour cut of this somewhere. There's like a two hour Snyder cut of this movie somewhere. Don't ever like that's cursed. That'll melt right. your face like the fucking uh Ark, Ark of the Covenant. Covenant yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it absolutely was. <laughs> but apparently they cut out like a bunch of stuff and then was like, you know what, we'll just replace it with if we, we cut a lot out. Now it doesn't make much sense. So now we just got to add in. We'll add some dog and baby stuff. Like that's entertaining for people. And everybody was kind of like, okay, whatever. But the thing with this movie was Jamie Kennedy, I think did like a YouTube series of like videos on his YouTube channel, explaining, kind of explaining himself for this movie. And he was basically like, you know what? I thought it was going to be more of this. Like we didn't, you can, when you make a movie out of order, you don't know how it's going to wind up all the lot. And just kind of justifying. It's like, I get it. You know, he doesn't want to talk shit because he he's not the level of actor who just guarantees himself to get a job, you know? So it's not like Jim Carrey could be like, that was the worst fucking decision I ever made. It was a piece of shit from beginning to end. And then just go on to be Jim Carrey, you know? Yeah. It's, Jamie Kennedy kind of needs the paychecks. So now, he doesn't, funny. he can't This do is that. the first time I saw this movie. Same here, yeah. But I remember sleeping over a friend's house in fourth grade and his mom took us to Blockbuster to run a movie. And she suggested Son of the Mask. And Ross, you know how outspoken of a little kid I was. Fucking, you could I shut it down. I said, let's what? rank God- Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. <laughs> Even, I mean, so much better. So much better. What, <laughs> and you know what? Not knowing... You know what? That might have been one of the best decisions of my life. <laughs> Yeah, it's like not knowing Japanese and watching that movie without subtitles would make more sense than watching this in English, you know? It's, while you were in that blockbuster, unfortunately, you probably didn't have the opportunity to uh, see Ethan Hawke walking around uh, in his Finn Doctor's hat, which, had you been born a few years earlier, you probably would have gotten to see it, which would have been great. But with this movie, it's like, there's so many times in this movie, specifically when Jamie Kennedy's is the mask, that I was wondering why and how they came up with the decision for the design of the character. Because obviously everyone knows that Jim Carrey's mask was the bald green head guy. He was the bald green guy. His yeah. whole face was green, but it was Jim Carrey is his face. You know, the dude is like I said, rubber face. He can he gives you a little bit of makeup and he gives you the rest in this though it was almost as if they looked at jamie kennedy and were like you have an expressive face your eyes can get big and you're you have a large mouth but you're not jim carrey so we're gonna minimize you a weird haircut that right, looks like you know what the, his haircut looks like um Lego, the Lego movie <laughs> looks like hair on a Lego. <laughs> it does kind of look like hair on the Lego. Oh, lazy! Uh, the hair in Lazy Town is what I was thinking of. That was a Nickelodeon show that I never really watched, but it was around my time. I was gonna say that's I've never heard of it, but yeah, but it's like even but the hair is like hard plastic, like he's a Ken doll, 
then then there's like the green. A- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like that Jimmy Neutron kind of look, you know. Yeah, that's absolutely it. But it's the green makeup. It seems like wasn't really makeup. You see, because in the very first, the whole musical number, the first time we see him, the gag is that he's wearing a Halloween mask, takes it off to reveal that his face is that same face as the mask. So I get why that outer mask was plastic. But when he moves that mask and essentially reveals his actual face, his teeth are giant. He's wearing these big false teeth. And it seems like Jamie Kennedy's from the middle of his mouth up to the top of his head. It seems like he can't control it or like hasn't he can't move it. Yeah. So really, you're just working with like lower jaw movement here. And it's like Jamie Kennedy can be funny. But like I said, he's he's his wheelhouse is when he's kind of like losing it a bit and kind of screaming and he can be expressive with his face and kind of freaking out. But the first thing they do when they put this makeup on is like you lose all of that. <laughs> so it's like now you just got a green Ken doll walking around and it's not entertaining or even visually like like compelling, you know? Whereas you look at Jim Carrey in that yellow suit or his Cuban Pete outfit or his French guy outfit. There's a million outfits that he was in. And it was every single one was like, you know what? That's a character. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, again, looking back at Jim Carrey, like that, the reason even the cartoon worked is, well, A, this character translates very well to animation. Absolutely. And Jim Carrey happens to be the closest thing to animation we have in a person. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the funny thing is, though, this this character started as a comic book in Dark Horse Comics. And it was, like, dark. (laughs) You know, like, I think they called him Big Head was the character's name. He was, like, a straight-up murderer. Like, he would kill people... And it wasn't like dancing around singing Cuban Pete, you know, it was like the the dumb fucking murdering people. And then I think it got to be like, there were several iterations of it. It It's almost like an anthology. Like the mask does move on to different characters and you get a different story. So in that sense, this movie kind of makes sense as a sequel. It's like, oh, this is our next step in the anthology. But like, you need to get like Robin Williams or someone. You need somebody who is inherently comedic looking basically or is good at being silent yet hilarious and even though robin williams was great at being vocal and hilarious he could do silent things funny and jim carrey can do everything with his face without saying a word jamie kennedy can't do that and then even like alan cumming a couple times it gets like this green loki like i guess loki's original face or like his actual face where it's like this green and black kind of lines even that, you're like, why are you doing this? Like, why are we doing this? So there's two scenes that come up fairly early in the movie that I feel like we haven't talked about in, like, I need a therapy session. The baby nightmare. Dude, you want to talk about a scary fucking babies with CGI? This is horrifying. Every scene with this baby is fucking horrifying. <laughs> never mind the fact when it starts dancing around like fucking Milton J. Frog or whatever that racist CW frog was. This baby is terrifying. And apparently it was twins, so they're both terrifying. (laughs) And then fucking Bob Hoskins becoming a cloud face to yell at goddamn Loki. (laughs) Fucking Bob Hoskins has got one eye out. He looks like Thor. It's like, him and Anthony Hopkins, man. It's like, so you, you went the same character two very different ways. <laughs> like, that's, this movie, I was just like, Bob, Bob, what are we doing here? What, what's going on? Right, exactly. It's like, oh, man, what's happening? Like, why did you agree to this? Why did you agree to this? He lived well, another 10 years. What did you lose, Bob? <laughs> right. He lived another 10 years, so he had to live with this movie on his conscience for 10 years before he was mercifully taken from this earth. And relieved of that memory. But it's like, why why Bob Hoskins? Like, why did it have to be Bob Hoskins? Was who wasn't available? <laughs> like that you ended up on Bob Hoskins. Like, and also, like, other way around. Why were you like, we need an Odin? 
Bob Hoskins just radiates Odin to me. Like, <laughs> I can see the Alan coming as, like, a lighthearted Loki. Like, that casting makes sense to me to an extent. Yeah, absolutely. But Bob yeah. Hoskins? No. And then there's Cal Penn. Cal Penn is in this movie with the strangest. He's the strangest part of this movie because, A, he's Cal Penn, who I believe is uh, Indian descent, I believe is what he is. Um, He does not have an accent. He simply doesn't have one. He talks like Cal Penn talks. Then in this movie, he is named... Jorge. <laughs> he's not even named an Indian name. He okay, he's Hindu and he's Hindu Indian. He's not Mexican or Latin or whatever, but in this movie, he's doing like I would say six percent of an accent because it seems like the end of all of his lines have an accent, but like the beginning of them don't. And then I'm like, this is 2005. Like, how far away from Van Wilder were we at this point? Uh, Or had we even, like, he was, okay, 2002 was Van Wilder. So he'd done most Malibu's Most Wanted as Haji. So there you go. There's there's your typecasting right there. Because I guess you just had to break into Hollywood uh, as what you were in the stereotype. Then Harold and Kumar is before this. Harold and Kumar, he's just himself <laughs> there's no accent in that character so what the fuck is he doing here like he doesn't need this accent there's no joke with how he speaks there's no joke of who he is it's just he's just a guy it's like why are we doing this like are you able to brown face yourself <laughs> like is that possible <laughs> all right so i lance kaze is the writer of this movie Oh, I'm sure he. I'm sure he put a lot of time into it. I was looking through some of his writing credits. There's not much. Shawshank, Godfather Two, but I got to uh, fucking Fight Club. Little show called Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. With Bill Maher, which is hilarious that he is a writer on it. Yeah, it's yeah, especially since that that show is supposed to be um. Comedian sitting unscripted, just kind of talking about shit. But yeah, it's nothing in Hollywood is real. So he also has another show that I, I'm not sure it was ever released, but I kind of want to watch it. It's called Crayos. And Crayos? it the description is Crayos depicts an insanely dysfunctional wealthy Brentwood family animated the style of childish crayon drawings. And if you look at it, it's like in the middle it says Krayos, and it has eight eight of the characters, I'm assuming, around it. Now one is doodled butt. It looks like a guy is jogging and it's just a doodle of his butt. Okay. okay. Two is big tit blonde. Of course. Three is guy who looks like he has been scalped, done a lot of drugs, and is wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt. How do you spell this show? C R A Y O S. Okay. Four is buck tooth yellow circle with one eye. Okay, I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Then there's like the little kid at the bottom right. Yeah. The little girl bottom left, and then there's like the redhead with the knife. Yeah. And whatever the angry dude is at the bottom. Yeah, Jesus Christ. What the fuck? Like, I feel like I, I would be doing myself a disservice if I just didn't look into it any further. Yeah, I mean, it's from 2014. It's probably on YouTube. Jesus Christ. what the, Who would do this? Uh, the guy who did this movie. <laughs> who would do this? And he's like the only one credited on this thing. Jesus. Jesus. Why would you? Why? Why are these people allowed to have jobs? Like, is this why the strike is happening in Hollywood right now? Is it not because of AI? It's actually because to keep this dude Lance Kaiser or whatever away from TV. Jesus, fuck this guy. 
$25,000 budget to put crayons on screen. Wonderful. But yeah, but I was like, I was like, a poo. Wait, wait. He uploaded this. It's one, one minute and 33 seconds short that he uploaded to YouTube. It seems like seven yeah. years ago. Sounds about right. And yeah, it has 98 views. Yep. Yeah, Mike will be 99 by the time uh, this thing's out. But I might yeah, have but, to. It's it's ninety seconds. I might have to. Yeah, but then it's. I mean, it's only ninety seconds of your life. It's we already lost an hour and a half due to watching Son of the Mask. But it's then it's. A, I mean, Apu and Hank Azaria get canceled by Hurricane Nabalu because he had a problem with the accent, even though Cal Penn is next door doing the same fucking accent when he doesn't need to. So it's like, yeah, which one's more offensive, a white guy? voicing an indian character who a is not the joke about uh apu is not how he sounds or is it cal pen unnecessarily indianing up a character that does not need it you know it's like who's worse here it's not apparently not cal pen because he got to work on the obama administration you know what what are we fucking doing and it's all just so bad and the less said about the horrifying baby and dog mask CGI, the better. I mean, this wasn't even the only time that I laughed in this movie was, oh, fuck, what was the scene? Uh, I can't help this, you because I'm not sure I laughed. There was the scene where um, Jamie Kennedy asks a guy, he's like, is that normal about the baby doing something? And then the guy says, no. And what's worse is it's not covered by insurance. I was like, okay. I think it was when he takes him to the pediatrician or something. I was like, okay, that's something. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's at least something. <laughs> Slightly clever. Yeah, Which the baby is just the worst version of Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's terrifying. And I, I can't. I can't talk about it anymore. I can't. So we're done. Song the mask is over. <laughs> it's no longer being talked about. So Mike, how's your bear? Doing all right. Not making me forget this movie quick enough. So Death of the Fox, I'm going to need you to pump up those alcohol numbers. <laughs> those are rookie numbers. Oh uh, yeah, and as I'm cracking open my second uh, Oktoberfest from Iron Hill Brewing, it's very good. It's very a very easy Oktoberfest drink. It's uh. Quite light-ish from Marzen, but it's uh, it's good, pretty quick, quick drink. But um, all right. So let's rewind two years, two thousand three, when uh, I remember when this movie came out, and everybody was kind of like, "What the fuck? Like you're doing a, you're doing a sequel to Dumb and Dumber, which was incredible. You're doing then, a prequel, <laughs> and then B, yeah, you're doing a prequel." And you're not, you don't even have the two character, the two main guys. You don't even have Jeff and Jim back. I, I want to know, I want to, what comedy do you need more backstory? Like, seriously, like, why do I need more backstory on the guys that go, hey, does this sound annoying? <laughs> like, why do right. I need more backstory? <laughs> yeah. And, and just to find out that they've been this way forever. It, it would be one thing if they became the way they are in Dumb and Dumber, in the first Dumb and Dumber. Like, if these guys were somehow, something went wrong, horribly at, wrong. In at lives. least Lloyd seemed to get a little more mature by Dumb and Dumber. Well, that's the thing. Of the two, Lloyd is the smarter one and the mature one. But Not in this. Well, yeah, but that's, well, that's because it's young Lloyd, Mike, and he has to learn and grow. Character development. Right, exactly. But Hey, I, I will say this. This movie did have some legitimate laughs for me. And I, I didn't hate myself after watching. I was like, you know what? This, it, is, this is not terrible. <laughs> it was mostly Bob Saget for me. Rest in Dude, peace, Bo Bob Saget. Bob Saget was fucking great in this. But there, there were a lot of like random lines for me that really got me. And one and one visual gag that really did get me as well. But <laughs> did you see who the original writers were of this movie were? No. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. 
they were the original writers on this movie. Then it turns out that they had scheduling conflicts. I think it was with either South Park or something else. So they had to bow out. Now they were given like a hundred grand to do this or something. So they gave back their salary and were like, you know, sorry about that. We'll go. But this would have been the follow-up to basketball. And yeah, South Park in 2003 was huge. Yeah, South so, Park in 2003, like, you could argue, what, I I mean, like, yeah, season 8 and 9, that's 2003 and 4. Season 6 through 9 was a lot of people would consider it South Park at its best. Yeah, and, like, The Simpsons was on the decline at this point. And so, like, Trey and Parker and Matt Stone, like, I think this was around the time they went to the Oscars on LSD, you know? <laughs> and so these guys were like sought after. So for them to have gotten a hold of Dumb and Dumber, I, it would have been a very interesting movie to see what they would have done with it. But they bowed out and the people that did end up doing this movie ended up doing it. But with it's the Farrelly brothers and Dumb and Dumber, the original. There's a lot of their gross out humor is there, but it's not as bad as it would become for those yeah. guys. And Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels absolutely are the ones that carry that movie and make it the movie that it is. But to start your movie off coming out of Catherine Keener's vagina, <laughs> it's like, well, at least that that's something that is definitely something right there. Um, and then going back in, presumably, at the end of the movie. <laughs> oh, God. But this movie is say, dumb, but it did make me at least laugh a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I was I had a good time with it. I mean, there were a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of, like, the absolutely does not fly anymore. Like, the entire conceit of them having the special needs class. Yeah. You know, obviously. <laughs> the fact that he's like, I need this, the, the plot that it's, they need the special needs class so that the principal can pocket money. Eugene Levy for Christ's sake who doesn't have a funny line in this movie until almost his last line and the only time he actually got me to laugh was when he kidnaps Rachel Nichols' character uh, I think it's Jessica is her name he kidnaps her and he's making a fake phone call to her mom as if she were her friend Brenda and (laughs) he's he, he he cuts that it cuts to him it cuts him talking and then it cuts away and it cuts back to him and he's got he's gone off the deep end in this like weird convoluted story that you can tell that eugene levy is just making up as he goes along but he's apparently supposed to be this girl brendan i was like you know what this is the eugene levy shit i was waiting for that just has not been here because he's been like the straight character like evil guy sherry o'terry's been the weird one of the two but that's Sherry O'Terry. She's never the normal one, you know? Yeah. But I will say, Eric Christian Olsen and Derek Richardson do incredible perform- like impressions of Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. You know, they but, really do nail Harry and Lloyd. But Eric Christian Olsen, his IMDb pick looks like a 3D recreation of what we believed, like a German warrior attacking the roman lines would have looked like right yeah he's like every history book's depiction of a scandinavian you know it's it's like it's it's like i saw him on history channel like including like he just doesn't look real in his picture like he looks like he was 3d rendered it was good 3d rendering but he looks like he was 3d rendered yeah but the thing with him though is and that picture specifically is that he, you know, he put that on there to get that look of a serious actor because then he went on to like Criminal Minds, I think, or one of like the long running uh, CBS crime shows or whatever it was. Like he was on it, whatever the show was, for a long time. So you can tell that he's basically like, you know what, I've moved on. I'm trying to distance myself from arguably his best work, which was in. Um, not another teen movie. Yeah, <laughs> that was his best work. <laughs> this is very close to the second because I will give him credit; he is very good. But then there's you know, Fired Up, where he was. It was that cheerleader movie that he did. Uh, he was in a couple episodes of Community, which were which were funny. But I'm trying to find that damn show that he was on. Because you know, fi- Fired Up, 
is just not as good as Stick It. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was also in Beer Fest. He was also in he was in Beer Fest. He was one of the Germans, which is great. Uh he's one of the he's in the remake of the thing or the spoiler alert prequel of the thing. Um where the hell is it though? Motherfucker. NCIS Los Angeles is the one that he was on for 300 episodes. So that right there is his apartment in, you know, Malibu and like his condo in Malibu, his his West Hollywood uh, beach house or whatever the fuck, you know, it's the man now has like, fuck you, Hollywood money, basically. Like he does. He's got that syndication money. And that's your goal as a TV actor right there. You get on a long running show that has syndication and the dude is set. Derek Richardson, on the other hand, I don't think has done anything since this movie. So sucks for that guy. But then one of my favorite, like I, I had, like I said, I had several very good laughs at this movie. One of which is when Lloyd is walking Harry through the uh, the clicks or whatever, and when they're coming by the school, and Harry says, "Who are they? Why they're dressed like that?" And Lloyd goes, "They're the cheerleaders. They're a dangerous cult. Don't talk to them." It's like you know what? That's far off, Lloyd. <laughs> You're kind of right. So it's it's funny looking at this movie. It's weird because I'm not sure. Like watching this, I'm not sure who would have liked it better: someone who loved Dumb and Dumber, or someone who just like thought it was a like. If you didn't like Dumb and Dumber, you're not gonna like this because it's a, no, absolutely not. No, but if you were like just kind of neutral on it, you might have had. I wasn't sure if you'd have more of a chance at liking this or less at a chance of liking this than someone who loved Dumb and Dumber. I so, think... like, you're way like I like Dumb and Dumber, I don't love Dumb and Dumber. I love Dumb and Dumber. It's yeah, it's I love Dumb and Dumber because that for me was like I was 12 when that movie came out, and yeah. me and my friends we still will randomly quote it to them, you know. But it's like it's funny because the lines that you quote as you get older start to become a little more obscure and like you find the funnier lines are like in the smaller performances <laughs> but because like the like the do you realize what you've done like all of like all of the big lines you're like oh okay whatever but then there's like the little stuff like when um when the dude uh gets angry uh on the phone at mental when he's yelling he's like just remember that your bread plate is on the left <laughs> you know it's like little shit like that it's funny so in this movie, I think it was better because I'm going in, I'm like, all right, I'm not expecting it to be Dumb Dumber again. I'm expecting this to be bad. So going in, expecting it to suck and then be pleasantly uh, surprised when I was actually finding myself kind of enjoying it, that was fine. But like, and I'm not holding, like, I don't hold Larry, uh, uh, Harry Dunn and Lloyd Christmas up on a pedestal or anything, which I think is what a lot of people unfortunately did at the time when this movie came out. So they didn't, it's not good, and it shouldn't exist, but it's a lot better than I think people gave it credit for, and because at the time, it was very much a, this movie is zero. There is nothing worth watching in this. It is completely garbage, and it's like, well, there's some funny shit in this, you know, but I think it plays better. It definitely catches the spirit every now and then. Yeah, like, years removed, I think, from it, you're like, you're like, okay, this is funny. Like, when um when the visual gag of when <laughs> harry everywhere right he shit, he shit everywhere but when harry and lloyd are getting the rundown of what they need to do to be to create to uh to recruit the rest of the kids for the special needs class by sherry O'Terry, and then it's revealed that their classroom is in the cafeteria because she's the lunch lady <laughs> <laughs> like that was pretty funny and then there was the other part which really, really, really got me, and it's one of the, it's it's one of those gags where you see it all the time in like romantic comedies where our hero is practicing talking to his girl, like the girl, the crush that he has, or whatever, and we see Harry doing that because he's going to go over to um, Jessica's house for dinner, and he's we see him practicing outside somewhere. He's practicing, and then it cuts, and Jessica has already opened the front door and is standing there, like waiting for him to stop doing what he's doing. It's like, no, that's a good twist on that gag. 
He's yeah, been doing this for yeah, like five minutes. Yeah, that did make me laugh. Right. <laughs> but still, like, this movie is better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I think I yeah. saw it once a very long time ago. Like, I may have even seen this before I saw actual Dumb and Dumber. Probably. Could have been. Yeah. But I'm like... like I still don't have much to say about it because it's just like it's like diet dumb and dumber. Like it catches the appeal every now and then, but mostly it's like, well, why am I watching this? I should be watching Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> right. And that like that's the feeling I have with Son of the Mask. It's like I gotta go back and watch the original just to get this. Taste <gasps> oh no, Son of the Mask, I just my entire thought process during some of the mask was why am I watching this? I should be dead rather than watching this. Like <laughs> I'd rather kill myself. But then like, cause this is my first time watching this. At least that I remember. I may have watched it back when it came out. I was uh, raging drunk back then. But when, when fucking Shia LaBeouf showed up, I was like, holy shit. It's like, oh, wait, 2003, that would have been prime. Like kid actor Shia LaBeouf. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. This is almost whole Shia LaBeouf. Right, I was like, oh my god. But, and I do love that Larry, of course, uh, I keep wanting to call him Larry, because I want to combine Larry, uh, Lloyd and Harry. But I love that they think he's a centaur, you know, because yeah. he's the horse mascot. <laughs> then, there's, the, the thing is, then there's Rachel Nichols, who plays uh, Jessica. Rachel Nichols is, she's been in a whole bunch of shit. She's been in other stuff since she was in one of the GI Joe movies, but she's like proven herself to actually like be a competent actress. But in this, this is her breakout, you know, this is her breakout role. And it's, it's very, very obvious at times that this is her. She's incredibly uncomfortable on camera. Like it's, she's really just trying to get used to this whole thing. And that really did take it out. Cause I'm like, okay, this is a sign of a, um, of a lesser movie and a bad sequel when you get people that will become famous but are uncomfortable here and not for the reason that they're above it like she's just trying to get in hollywood like she's trying to put her foot in the door here. yeah and and this you can tell she's like i don't want to fuck this up but i'm not sure if i can fuck it up you know <laughs> like it's not gonna really matter because look what movie this is and then of course you do have to hit the the original the classics from the originals you do have to hit the toilet gag and then this one instead of it Jeff daniels violently shitting into a into a to toilet that he now has clogged that doesn't work it's this one it's it's a hot chocolate bar that is sprayed everywhere but it's smeared all over the place and it's supposed to look like he shit all over the bathroom yeah, shit on the window. and then of course the late great Bob Saget comes in and has to just scream he's shit everywhere for like 10 minutes and then that guy comes back at the end when Harry's covered in mud and hits his car and he thinks he's covered in shit and all that and I was like well at that point you kind of gotta you really gotta question yourself there like why would you think that I was the man was covered in shit yeah. when no one else was you know and why is he in the middle of the road covered in shit you know and why is it so much <laughs> but it's then, I mean, the one thing that did get me as a what the hell, like, what, why, like, why is this happening was when I think it's Lloyd has the dream sequence where he's in that grotto and Rachel Nichols and Mimi Rogers, who's playing Harry's mom, have that makeout contest is what he calls it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a very uncomfortable kiss, but it's like they're going for it. And I was like, oh. Maybe Rogers is game to do some weird shit, I guess. Yeah, what did she care? <laughs> She's Mimi Rogers at that point. Who gives a shit, you know? And... It was like the weird alternate universe for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then then there's lines like when uh you find out that at the at the Harry has uh, Lloyd is was it Lloyd is Lloyd is kidnapped or stolen the polar bear from the zoo from the yeah. uh, museum and he does it for harry to make make uh, make up for them and all that then they cut back to the museum there's a little mother and her uh, his mother and a little kid the daughter just goes mommy where's the daddy polar bear the mom replies with he was shot by a hunter just like your father <laughs> what <laughs> little lines like that are like the ones you go like the bad sequels you hope that are in there and then 
one of my favorite little other lines that really got me, and I don't know why it really got me, was it's Harry and Lloyd, of course, because we have to rehash the original again. They have their fight that Harry thinks that Lloyd and Jessica were like making out, and he's mad that because he thinks Lloyd's trying to steal him away. And they're fighting, and Lloyd is outside the window, and he keeps coming up. He's doing making, he's getting night all emotional and all that, and it's very reminiscent of Jim Carrey's. Oh, I'm sorry, Mister Perfect. <laughs> you know, you never made a mistake. So he keeps coming back, but then he's saying like goodbye in different ways. He's like sayonara. Alvita say comes back, and at one point he just comes back and goes still tough, and then runs away. <laughs> it's like wait. Throw a muscle top in there. <laughs> you know that, that made me think lady. of. You remember the commercial with uh, David Spade, where he just keeps saying no, and he's like, he's like, no, nine, yet, no, nunca. Right. And like that's what this movie. This movie needed like a Spade. You know, if this this if this was a Happy Madison production, he definitely would have been there. But a Happy Madison production where Adam Sandler is Harry and David Spade is Lloyd. Dude, I mean, I mean, it's, it's it probably got pitched to him at some point, but then there's you know I'm I am always a sucker for like a good comedic explosion. So when like the um the the gun station or whatever convenience store explodes, you know, and Brian Posehn without glasses on, mind you, that's a weird sight. You know, he gets but here's the thing: like all, all other. Explosion, they're just not as good as the other guy's comedic explosion, exactly. Yeah, and I have soft tissue damage. <laughs> yeah, it's not like in movies, it's so much louder. But Star Wars is bullshit. no way they're <laughs> driving. Don't you dare bad mouth Star Wars, right? And <laughs> Then, of course, we do get the callback to, and, and we do nothing with it, even though it's a major part of the original movie. We get the we get the Felcher twins, which is Freda and her sister, Other, you know, and they're in a two-seater Ferrari when they pull up, and they want to take Harry and Lloyd for a ride somewhere else, and it's like, okay, A, I know, I know the two guys in this scene are supposed to be stupid, but why are these women so dumb that they would think that a two-seater Ferrari that has no other seats possible would be able to fit these two men in it. Um, is that the joke? Because it's not a joke. It's just dumb. You know? <laughs> but this this movie is absolutely 100% unnecessary. But at least it had the good sense to have like its own jokes, you know, and it, it did come up with some gags. They come up with, at least somebody put the effort in the two main characters putting the effort into, to give you a great impression of your, that is the biggest thing with this movie is they did do their damnedest to try and seem like younger versions of our original characters. Absolutely. And, I'm sure if it ever, I'm sure no one's ever bothered to ask them because who could care to ask them? I'm sure Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels will look at that and go, you know what? That's that's passable. That's fine. You know, I'm not offended by it. You know, (laughs) I feel like they'd be cool about it, but it'd be like, you know, they didn't need to do it in the first place, but that that they put some effort into it is is better than, you know, what it really could have been. But yeah, and then. Then the weird gag, the weird gag that uh the Chinese chick is actually like her name's Cindy and she only puts the accent on to like get guys. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> what a weird joke to have in there. But okay, I guess it works. <laughs> that's like it, it can be funny, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's not bad because she's like upset when she finds out that uh the dude from the Mighty Ducks is like turned off now. <laughs> He's like, oh no, you're you're like a regular girl. She's like, well, I can. That can do the accent if you want. He's like, please. And she's like, oh, okay. So then she does it. I was like, all right, at least she wants to do it. <laughs> but that has been, I think, our unnecessary sequel uh, week, week two. So, Mike, before we reveal what we're going to put ourselves through next week, why don't you tell people where they can find us? You can find us 
for your streaming pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcast from. Thanks to Spotify Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So week three next week. We're going, we've done unnecessary comic book and book adaptations, completely stupid movies, unnecessary Jim Carrey sequels. Now we're doing unnecessary Harrison Ford sequels, like specifically Harrison Ford sequels, one of which involves the man, the other is just his character. And we're going to be doing Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And then we're also going to be doing Solo. <laughs> Because if any movie never needed to be made, it was the origin story of Han fucking Solo. (laughs) Poor Shia LaBeouf. We're bringing him up again this month. He will be coming up, and we will be significantly shitting on him next week because Mutt is a bad character that, spoiler alert, deserved to die off screen. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry if you haven't seen Dial of Destiny, but that's what they do with Mutt. (laughs) They kill him off screen, and... It actually works because Harrison Ford plays it well. But then again, he's an 80-some-odd-year-old man playing Indy at that point. (laughs) And in this one, at least he's in his 60s. So at least it's a little more realistic-ish for an archaeologist to be an old man doing these things. But I don't know. It's I haven't seen... I've seen Solo one time. I have not seen it since. And I remember the first time I watched it, I fucking hated it. (laughs) So... And I almost immediately forgot it afterwards. I was like, this is completely useless. And good for Alden Ehrenreich to be brought back into Oppenheimer. You know, at least he was able to come back in that movie. <laughs> good for Chris Nolan to bring him back, you know. But uh, anyway, so till next week when we talk about some unnecessary Harrison Ford, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McQuigan. We'll see you guys next time. So long. <laughs>